0: Hello and welcome to Roto-Brits. This is a UK fantasy baseball podcast and I am your host Peter Pratt. It is the shortstop preview pods extravaganza, spoiler alert, this one is going to go longer than 60 minutes, calling it out right now. First, first guy to introduce, it is of course the right-hand man, it is the chief analyst, main stud, Ryan Owen. Ryan, how
1: are we doing? Oh, I'm very good. I heard on the grapevine that we have a medical professional with us. <laughs> This evening, and that has got me absolutely bummed.
0: <laughs> love it, love it. What a what an intro that our main man is back. It's Dr. Dave is in the house. So that is that is the main alias he's going by right now. Dave joined us last year on the pod Listen, this is the thing about Dave. He's a professional fantasy baseball player. Like this is this is what he does. So Dave, first of all, welcome back to Brits, brother. Um, we need to get into this surgical, this medical uh, field you've now segued into. But first off, how you doing?
2: Yeah, uh, so excited to be back with you guys. Uh, huge fan of the pod, obviously. Um I am an expert uh, in fantasy baseball, not so much uh, as a doctor in the medical field, but, uh, but I've been playing for a really long time, so I kind of uh, have have learned the ins and outs of, of player injuries and what they mean from a fantasy perspective. So as far as that goes, I'm good. As far as diagnosing any uh, strange boils on your body, not so much let's not talk about any strange boils
1: how, how does he know about you see he knows how does he know about that it's he can just tell that. by like, looking at me he can i just,
2: told he can you i'm a regular listener you yeah. know I've, I've heard you guys talking about this all the time
0: oh for sure dave where can where can everyone get you on twitter and this is a funny point as well because you do there is a little bit of a blend into a well-known uh hip-hop group as well so where can guys yeah. get you on twitter
2: yeah, so I, I made my Twitter account like ten years ago. You know, barely tweeted for the first like eight years. So it was at uh, Run McD. So it's Run D M C, but then you got to make sure you add that D because I get a lot of <laughs> I get a lot of tweets from people like thanking me for my music and what I did for their <laughs> lives. And <they're, laughs> I'm like, wrong guy. You got to subtract that D, baby. Yeah, love it, <laughs> um,
0: guys. As I mentioned at the top, this is the shortstop preview pods and. I've got to be honest, this this position is is pumped. It's absolutely jacked. It is just insane when you get into it. Not to take us down the Marlins pathway straight off the bat, but as you all know, I'm a Marlins fan. And when I'm looking at the depth of talent and power knocking around at this position, it soon dawned on me what some of the Marlins' problems are offensively and why their offense is a little bit below par because... They are not getting this type of production from Miguel Rojas. I'm not going to get us into Miggy Rojas straight away, no doubt. But we are going to get into him. But the position is loaded, guys. It is a pumped up... like It is stacked. There's, what, three guys going in the top six, perhaps, right now from shortstop? It is loaded. Ryan, what's your view on the shortstop, uh, the shortstop pool this year?
1: Well, I think it's clear straight away. Once you start ranking, the, I go position by position in the offseason and I start making my rankings. It's clear that the third or fourth guy on my second base list is the eighth or ninth guy on my shortstop list. Yeah. Now, that people will be out, who you're talking about. You know I'm pretty high on Chisholm. I got Chisholm second base. I'm pretty high on him. I know there's concerns with contact rate and him bumming out and all the rest of it. I'll take the power speed all day, but there's still eight short stops that I have ranked above Jazz Chisholm. Yeah. And that just goes to show um, what we're looking at here. All sorts of speed, all sorts of power, all sorts of contactability. This is, uh, mm. is going to be a fun one.
0: <laughs> Dave's nodding along. Dave, do you concur on this one?
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, absolutely stacked. And you know... Trey Turner has been my number one pick for several years now. I've been saying he's he's the number one guy, but the thing that makes it so difficult to to take this year is because he, there's so much depth here. It's like mm-hmm. there's there's guys fifteen shortstops down that I'm still really really into, uh, even twenty shortstops down. So it's uh it, it's it's tough to want to take your shortstop early because it's so stacked. But at the same time, Turner is so so good. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, excited to get into it because there's a lot. Well, let's let's get right into it then, boys. Whoa, let's, whoa, whoa!
1: Oh, okay, it's Turner on, over Tatis for Doctor Dave. Now, now that's got to be a medical. Con- what what it is going on here? Go, ding, ding! Let's ask <laughs> let's ask the question straight away. Come yeah, on, yeah. Dave. Yeah. Explore what what is wrong with Fernando Tatis and um, tell me and Pete and the listeners why I'm wrong to rank him above Trey Turner.
2: Uh, on talent you're not wrong i mean he, he's probably the most talented hitter in baseball i i, I don't think there's a whole lot of question uh, not not i mean i don't know about this hitter but fantasy player like he gives you power speed everything um but yeah that shoulder the problem is the subluxation of the shoulder that he didn't get surgery on means that at any point when he when he falls on it swings hard slides dives anything uh that shoulder can be injured for good and he could be out for the year. This happened you went on the IL I think four times last year, maybe mm. maybe five, I don't remember. Um but every time there was the possibility that he was done for the year and he wasn't. And I think people are just assuming that that's going to be the case for next year, but I don't mm. it's it's not at any point that could it could it could end his year and I'm just not I don't need to try to win a league in the first round because you can't, you know. But you can make it a whole lot harder to win if you miss on it
1: really interesting are you worried more about power or speed or are you just worried in general in terms of Tatis like in terms of what the shoulder's gonna do do you think that I know you're saying that he could just miss some time at any point and it could be an extended period I understand that it it adds a little bit of risk but let's say he's on the field and is there one area of his game that you think this is going to affect potentially
2: sometimes it affects power, but I am not even that concerned about it because like, he's still, he goes all out and that's what concerns me from the injury perspective because he still dives all the time. He still steals bases. He slides, he swings really hard. Like it's more that at any point, any of those factors could lead to him being out for okay. the year. And I just, I, I can't like there's 10 plus shortstops that I would take before I'd take him just because I don't, wow I don't need to, to have him to win. like, you don't, there's no one player that you have to have on your team to win. You didn't need Jacob deGrom on your team to win last year. You know, and it's, it's the same thing with Tatis. You can be the best player in the game and it just doesn't matter if the injury risk is that high. And for me, it is for others. It's not. And I could be wrong, but I'm okay to be wrong because I want to l- avoid those landmines that I, I am never with my approach. I'm never out of it. Fantasy wise, because I don't take those big risks. Like a lot of mm. people do. Oh, Stunning advice. I'm a landmine guy. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work out for
0: you? <laughs> Not well, but I don't put any money down. And this is, I guess, that's hard that's the, the difference.
2: That's right the right thing. Though. If you're putting, you know, seventeen hundred, twenty-five hundred dollars, ten thousand dollars on a league like I do sometimes, like hmm. you don't want that coming down to one guy potentially missing the whole year. I just I can't do that. It makes you draft differently, I think, when you're
0: putting down two grand yeah. to enter a league, like in anything two grand yeah. down on a bet even if yeah. it's a even if it's a sure thing you still sweat it up right
1: oh so yeah it just makes me an odd person that i behave this way even though there isn't money on it it <laughs> <laughs> just makes me very competitive and just like in line with it but no i, I do understand i understand that I and mean, i think it's interesting for listeners as well you made an interesting point you said there are 10 short stops i draft before i drafted him that doesn't mean there are 10 shortstops you'd take in the first four picks of an overall no, first round. No, no, no. What that essentially means is you are saying, if I was to get him, it would have to be with one of the first four or five picks in a draft, and that's never going to happen. And therefore, right. he's not a shortstop you're targeting.
2: Yeah, he's a guy I'm just crossing off my list altogether. He's done, like He's yeah. um and it's, and it, you know, he could be a monster this year. There's, there's, there's no question. Maybe he, maybe he goes on the IL three or more, four more times, but he only misses a week or two each time. And he still ends up really good, but mm-hmm. I just don't want to deal with that. Uh I, cause I don't know. And nobody knows uh how he's going to be able to stay healthy next year. So it's just not worth the risk for me.
1: In, in reverse of that, almost sort of juxtaposing that is Trey Turner. And I'm assuming yeah. that just based on everything that we know about Trey, you view him as one of the sort of, um, least risky options available based on his track record both in terms of health and what he produces um i'm wondering if there's any part of you that that questions the power a little bit is that or is that more that you know what even if this guy does hit 16 home runs across a full season he's still gonna steal 30 plus bases and i'm actually gonna get a decent return on the investment anyway
2: yeah, I think I think Trey Turner is probably uh, I, I mean, I think he has a very legitimate 25 home run power and something that a lot of people don't realize is uh, the Dodgers park is very, very good for power. It's a very good home run park. So um, he's in a he's in a really good place to, to, to continue hitting for power, but he's the only guy really in in uh, that that's healthy outside of Tatis who gives me everything. He gives me 25 plus home run steals with uh, around a 300 average and then good runs and RBIs too. So like, I I can't really get that from anybody else outside of Tatis who I, you know, obviously not going to take. So, you know, Soto, I'm not getting the steals, um, you know, J Ram, I'm not getting the average. So uh, yeah, Tatis is, is definitely my pick for, for number one overall, for those reasons. And I, I think sometimes people forget that he has legitimate power like they, they think to maybe turn sorry did i say tatis yeah turner yes. No,
1: yes honestly our listeners are confused enough they listen to the <laughs> mp every uh, you know
2: <laughs> no appreciate it. yeah turner um yeah so i just think he has the whole package and that's uh that's why he's he's my he's my guy ryan
0: you asked the question about tatis uh let's get your view on it then because you know, I think Dave's put up a real strong argument there as to why not. But where do you sit on Tatis then? Just kind of digging into him.
1: Listen, I do an interesting thing. What I, what I, what I do is I project what I think Tatis will do across an, a full season. That's the first thing that I do, assuming that he's healthy. And and when I rank that, I know, and some people may not do it this way. I do it actually with everyone. And, and then I start adjusting. Actually, in some ways, I do it mentally and then on the Excel spreadsheet as well. Just in terms of the raw stats, I would draft Tatis every time, okay? Because he's, he's a monster beyond what Turner is, in Agreed. my opinion. If, um, if he plays most of the season, Tatis <laughs> yeah. is—he should um, be the
0: number one off the board. Like, no question. I think, question. That,
2: I think no that's question. the point. Like, yeah. It's, well, I mean, honestly, if everybody's healthy, DeGrom should go number one and Tatis should go number two. The problem is that neither of them are healthy, in my yeah, opinion.
1: So, so yeah, many that,
2: studs
0: have got so many injury. because this is the year of Dr. Dave. It truly is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, the interesting thing is I then start, I actually think, agreeing with Dave, I'm sort of like, can I actually stomach taking Tatis here when Turner's mm. available? Now, the interesting thing is, I would take J-Ram over Trey Turner. That That is my opinion. I'm, I may... You know, there'll be some pushback on that from some. I agree with what Dave said in terms of Turner's um, almost certain to hit for a higher average. And that gives him a skill that J-Ram doesn't have. Um, But I do think J-Ram does own a skill that Turner doesn't own. And that is the ability to hit for quite a lot more power and steal um, quite a lot of bases to go along with it. Now, yes, Turner might be potentially a 25 home run hitter. I never really predict predict Turner for 25. I, I got him predicted for 22 and anything else is gravy. That, that's my opinion. Whereas mm-hmm. J-Ram is, I am generally just more excited by J-Ram. <laughs> I'm not going to be funny. I like, there's something, he's healthy and he's also more the sort of player that I want. You know, I've been drafting J-Ram in the yeah. first round. For about four years now, ever and since we've I done this, pod, this podcast, like, is by know, two, Jose every, me too. Every me time too. I, every time I draft him, he's been coming to me tenth, eleventh overall. Mm. Like, every time I felt like I was getting a bargain, so this year I have to pay a price that I actually think is is appropriate for what I was getting last year. That's fine yeah. by me.
0: What happens if he uh, ends up playing most of his uh, home games at Lone Depot? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, you don't just drop the Lone Depot in like I know or care. Yeah, I don't have. even is know what the park Marlins that is. Stadium, is
0: it? That's Marlins Park.
1: No one knows that, Pete. You can't just say, you have to say Marlins Park. No one cares who the sponsor of the Miami Bloody Marlins Stadium is. Marlins Park we're not unlocked on, on Marlins now you know I, it's,
0: it's tough it's tough to transition at times so
2: <laughs> I, I do i do just want to emphasize I, I i i do think that and i know i've heard you guys talk about turner i know you don't really buy into the power but i think the power he's he's proven it's legit but the other thing is the dodgers for right-handed hitters their home run park factor is the highest in baseball at 133 so the nationals is actually pretty good too for righties it's at 112 but compared to the Dodgers, it's, it's low. So Turner in that park, this is an ideal fit for him power wise. Yeah. Um, but I, but I don't disagree with you in terms of taking J Ram in, instead of Turner. And the thing is you could take J Ram at three after people take Turner and Tatis and get a better player on the comeback in the second round, because like, we're going to about to go into shortstop is so stacked that you don't need Turner in the
1: first. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. That was, absolutely. That That is, that is basically, you've basically just outlined uh, a roto-trick strategy, and I'd rather you didn't do that too much. Oh, that's my bad. All, that's all, my eight, bad. all eight of our listeners are going <laughs> uh, oh, to be magpie come on now. in that. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> you need to add at least two zeros on the end of that, eight, by the way, Ryan, for sure. I think it's a really interesting conundrum with, with Taddy's. I think it's a, an interesting conundrum with a lot of these top guys in general. Like, There's a lot of similar knocks, but... Let's get on to Boba Shet. It's a guy that is he's going, you know, top five overall this year, maybe sixth. Like he's in that range. It's a guy actually I haven't seen a lot of, if I'm completely honest. Um, but he had a real nice year. I'm intrigued to see where your guy's minds are at with him in this range. Like, are you happy with Boba Shet here and what are the risks we should be mindful of? I think that's the, the question. Cause like the production was nice and there was a bit of kind of park changes going on with the Blue Jays last year too, right? Where they were yeah. Playing in Dunedin, which, I mean, I think that was a, pretty much a straight-up hitter's park there, so I guess there's a bit of that factored in, but Ryan, what about this Boba Shed? He's a sexy guy, no doubt about it, but is he sexy enough for you at six?
1: Yeah, I think he is. Like, I, yeah. think, <laughs> I, I think like looking at everything points towards there being a little bit of home run underperformance last year, and I know that the stadium is going to be a bit of a downgrade this year but mm. this guy's 24 years old he hit 49% ground balls last year and sometimes you sort of think right so this is a ground ball heavy guy if he's a ground ball heavy guy and he still hit 29 home runs what the hell happens if this guy starts adjusting from 49% ground balls and starts putting more balls in the air i'm i'm looking Scary. at the kid i'm looking at the kid thinking I wouldn't be shocked if he ends the season having hit 40 home runs. I really wouldn't, even with the park adjustment. Now, I'm not saying that's likely, but I do think 30 home runs, you can pretty much bank with Boba And if that's the case, how many stolen bases are you going to bank? 20? As a 20? That seems reasonable for this kid. He's 24. He's healthy. He's quick. He makes good contact. He, he underperformed his home run to fly ball a bit last year, like I say. I'm talking myself into why the hell am I drafting Jram right now? Yeah, well, it's a good question <laughs> to ask, Dave. I'm going to come to you on this one, and I
0: I've not prepped for this question, so that's a dangerous thing as a host. But nevertheless, <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at Boba Shedd. I'm hearing what Ryan's saying. Absolutely, I'm kind of then looking down to and thinking back to our episode last week about Aussie Albies, and I'm looking at the production out of Albies, and actually I'm. A lot of similarities there at the, the kind of top level stats and maybe 15 spots in, in position. Are we, like, is, and obviously the, the position depth is completely different at second base than short. So, um, firstly on Bo do you like him there? I guess, you know, Ryan seriously does. But equally, give me a kind of Albies comp um, to Bo And actually, is there even more value in Albies than maybe we anticipated if we're absolutely giving the rocket emojis for Bo based on what he's done?
2: Yeah. I mean, Boba shed has legitimate power. So like you look at the 29 home runs and you say, okay, well, he played in Dunedin and uh, Buffalo. And I, and I understand thinking that, okay, he might be due to regress some. And he also had close to 700 plate appearances, but his expected home runs were something close to like 35. So, and he actually had just as many home runs in the second half when they were playing more in uh, Rogers Roger center than when they were in Dunedin and, and Buffalo. So I think he absolutely has that power Um, and he was 25 of 26 on the bases running. So uh, I I really think it just comes down to, can he, can he stay healthy? Um, You know, 700 plate appearances is always hard to project, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and obviously their, their offense was prolific last year, mostly a lot because of the fact that they were playing in those, in those, uh, you know, tiny parks last year. So I don't know if he'll get to 121 runs again. Um, but everything is there for this guy. Like he's a better player than Albies is for sure. Like the, the average is better. Um, the power I would say is more legit and, uh, he's has a little bit more speed, but if you're comparing positionally, like if I can get Albies in the second and I can get a different shortstop later, who would be closer to Bichette than the difference between Albies and whatever second baseman I can get later. I can absolutely understand making Albies the target over Bichette. Um, But I, I mean, I think everything's there for Bichette to be a legit top six pick. I think he should be there. Mm -hmm. Um, It just depends on how you want to build your roster.
1: I'm actually devastated that I didn't have Bichette in more places last year because I really should like, so there are a few times when you look back and you think I bloody knew that that was a value and and I didn't do it. Like, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, there's a reason Vlad Sedler's got roto gut as his little uh mm-hmm. I know that he does a lot of studying <laughs> as well, and it isn't yeah. all gut, but once you've done your studying and you got the feeling, you gotta trust yourself sometimes. Exactly.
2: You For always sure. go with what you you know, it's it's not always gonna come down to the numbers. It's a lot of times it's it's something that you just might see that the numbers don't show, uh, and you're gonna be mad at yourself. You're gonna be kicking yourself if you if you don't go with that. So yeah, Vlad is great with that. You know, he he trusts his, his uh, experience and instincts.
0: All right, then, guys. It sounds like we're all happy with these guys. Other than, I mean, Dave's got tatties off the board for him. But, um, you know, they, they, if they're healthy, and I think that's the the main point for all of these if they're healthy, they're absolutely top five, top six picks, no doubt. Um, yeah. And this shortstop pool is ridiculously loaded uh, for sure. I think once you got these top three dudes, there is then a, a little step down then, right, is, you know, of these three. Um, you then get into, I guess, I'm looking at NF, um, NFBC's uh, rankings. They've got Tim Anderson going next, actually, off the board, uh, which actually surprised me. I was surprised he was that high, Tim Anderson. Um, Ryan, where do you sit on, on Tim Anderson? He's, he seems like one of them guys that, like... There's just not that much buzz over, but he kind of just seems to keep performing. I find him a bit of a, you know, a bit of a strange player in some ways. Just he hangs around and always kind of delivers at the end of the year. Weird kind of profile in some ways.
1: Yeah, I'll answer on Anderson before I. I, I, I just want to make the point, if you don't mind, um, that while J Ram is sort of hanging around, causing me a bit of reason not to take a short stop in the first round, I haven't quite figured out where I stand on this yet. But the other name that is In the back of my head is actually, and I'd be interested to get Dave's opinion, Shohei Otani, Because I I don't really know, I find this really, really difficult. I know we're on a shortstop pod, but it seems relevant because it affects your first round strategy. Mm. I don't know what to do with a guy that suddenly, yes, talented, but exploded in such an extreme... Extreme way and I find that hard then to project. But when I'm projecting Shohei Otani, I'm sort of thinking that might be an option for me instead of these shortstops for the same reason that you're saying I could circle mm-hmm. back around and get myself a, a damn good shortstop in the third or fourth round. Dave, where do you stand on Otani? And Pete, I apologise because I've sort of parked your question on Anderson. I'll get you to You've asked the better one,
2: mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Otani's certainly ridiculously talented. Um, and I've heard you quote this on the show before, Ryan. Uh, you know, Ron Chandler says once you show a skill, you own it. So, you know, you see his, you see his 119 max exit velo, his 53.5% hard hit rate. Like, that's legit. Like, this guy is a masher. Uh, 46 homers, 26 steals. The problem is that he doesn't have a position. Um, unless you're in a league where you can play him at both hitter and pitcher, He's just a guy I I avoid because he's a utility only guy because yeah. the thing is you have to keep in mind you're losing value out of the utility slot when you play a utility only guy there all year because all the other guys that you draft, all the guys that you could have picked up on waivers, who you already have, you know, two shortstops in your team, you now can't play a third in that in that utility slot. So you're losing potential production there that you could be putting towards an actual position with the with the draft pick that you'd be taking Otani, at. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that was too convoluted. If I, if I kind of,
1: no, it, that makes sense. What you're no, saying. it's interesting because I don't know if I, have we ever had before a first round hit? Let's just view him as a hitter for a moment. Oh, uh, like yeah. I, and I think David, they, uh,
2: David Ortiz back okay, in the day, yeah, would have been a, like during his prime, but he didn't steal bases, obviously, you know, um, but he also hit like 330. So, you know, different
1: David Ortiz.
2: Right, right, uh, and you're just like, man, if you could just play ten games at first base, I could move him to first base, and it'll be money. <laughs> um, there are some leagues though where you can actually like have two utility slots and stuff like that, uh, and I think Otani is a is a good pick there. Also, best ball leagues because you can. You in best ball, you don't ever make your lineup. It makes whatever your best lineup is based on whoever you have on your roster. So you do nothing in season. So it uses not just his pit his hitting skills, but also his pitching. So you get both uh, available, you know. So some weeks you might it might put Otani in as a pitcher for you. Most weeks it'll be as a hitter. So in those leagues, Otani's like a number one overall pick. Yeah. For um, sure. And and in leagues with multiple utility slots, I move Otani up. But in a 15-team league where positions are so valuable with one utility slot, I, I just don't take him.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, no, I and there's something feels a bit wrong about it to me as well. And again, and I'm just saying about feel, something just feels a bit wrong uh, and it could be the <laughs> DH thing or it could just be the fact that Again, you speak about health. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned his health at all there because there's just something that's niggling me that says everything came together last year. He stole bases. He, right. he pitched a bit. He I'm not so sure that this is a long-term uh, solution really. I mean maybe, again, I'll probably get killed for not backing that up with some sort of hard medical advice, but that, that's just the way I feel about it. Um, I'm not feel. gonna gut feel. <laughs> we are on um, a shortstop pod, Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson, I think baby. Tim Anderson has been underrated in the past because he's had home runs and steals in his profile. And um, this is, it seems like a goody prize. You're saying that he's like the fourth shortstop off the board. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, 36, 36 overall. So like, is it, you know, 30 yeah. picks later than the, the cluster we were starting with? So, yeah, because you know, it's a it, couple of rounds. It's not elite power. It, it's like 20 home run power, maybe, and some speed. So, I I think you're sort of having to pay for him here if you are somehow firmly entrenched in the belief that he's a sort of, what, 290 hitter as as a bare minimum. So Mm. you're paying for 290, 20 home runs and 18 steals. Um, I'm not sure that I want to spend that pick banking on the batting average because I'm not sure that he's actually, he's not definitely that, Player long term, in, yeah. in that's how I would sort of state it. Um, so you, you, there's a lot of opportunity to lose value if you select Tim Anderson that high, Dave. A pick later is
0: Trevor Story. So you've got two guys back to back here, shortstop guy. We obviously don't know where Trevor Story is going to be playing right now. I think right. there's some potential obvious landing spots for them but anyway, we don't know, nevertheless. Yes um trevor story out of cores in all likelihoods um what does that mean for him uh in you know going forwards 2022 and beyond
2: yeah i mean he's a 240 hitter away from cores now you can't always just directly translate like you know that that doesn't mean that he's gonna always hit 240 outside of cores like there's other factors there um but yeah, like he he used to be a guy who I always like to target because he would hit two ninety with thirty five homers and twenty five steals. Yeah, and you know that's that's a monster, and you could get him at the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's usually very very healthy. Um, I will say compared to Tim Anderson, uh, you know the upside is is higher with Story, but Anderson's the better bet for average. Like Anderson could have uh like literally seventy points higher average than than Trevor Story outside of course. Um. And Anderson also, you have to realize he hasn't been 600 plus plate appearances since 2018. Now, granted, there are some injuries, but there's nothing concerning. It's like you know, groin. Uh, he did have two hamstring injuries last year, so that's a little concerning. But when I see the same injury again within a year, I don't like that. But you have to always also consider that, like this guy, could easily get 700 plate appearances. If he gets 700 plate appearances, Tim Anderson can go 25-25 with a 310 to 320 average and that's really really nice so i don't see any real big injury risk there with him like i don't see um anything that holds him back moving forward this year uh story though is very healthy i just it's the average that i don't love outside of cores. but Mm -hmm. i mean for for steals he can steal you 25 bags and hit you know, probably 30 to 35
1: homers uh, pretty much anywhere, even outside of course. So he's got a lot. He's got a lot more power than Anderson, hasn't he? I agree. Yes. Anderson's going to hit for yes. higher average and better contact. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, stories. I think I, I, I based on the value you're saying stories got a lower ADP, I would be going story over amazon that's they
2: actually go at pretty much the same place right now they're probably like not going to get either, probably not
1: going to get either just based on but you know i actually find it difficult to figure out what's going to happen until i'm in the draft room because that's when i see i talk yep. about this a lot it's hard it's hard for me in this weird like pre-draft pre-auction metaverse to sort of like tell you exactly where the value lands because i don't know how the other people in the room are doing value things wise. and valuing yeah. it and then value emerges and I'm and I can see uh, that's when I get excited not not like on the pod a month before it ha- mm. actually happening like do you kn- right. I don't know if that makes any sense
0: well I'm yeah. really excited so I don't know you know you're letting the side down here Ryan
1: no I'm excited about the pod I just mean i not excited about the... <laughs> listen Let's I'm not going
0: to trap you in this one for sure they go right in the same spot uh I think it's it's an interesting. They're kind of two, just two different players. Like they kind of have different, yeah, um, the pros and cons really. And it just depends on you know how you see the roster shaping up. I think really with these, they're both. Like I don't think they're going to torpedo your team either way. But um, no, you know. Okay, well that's you know it's an interesting cluster. We talked about Simeon. Simeon kind of follows a couple of picks later as well. We talked about him last week, Ryan, on on the the second base, uh, pod, but. Dave, I'll get your take on Simeon, I guess, more generally. He's going 42nd-ish you know, overall right now, obviously in a new park for him. Probably not as good a lineup. Um, a lot of money in no, his pocket too. Not. So, so. <laughs> what's your sense uh, on him?
2: Yeah, let, let me go ahead and uh uh say it's definitely not as good of a lineup going from no. the Blue Jays to the Rangers. <laughs> um yeah. You know, he doesn't have the same kind of power. Uh he doesn't have forty-five homer power, first of all. Like he he was a huge benefactor of the small parks last that he played in last year. He's he's probably more of a 30. I could see him getting up to 35 homers, but I would put him more around 30 homers in that park. And uh, you know, 10 to 15 steals, uh, he's probably good for, but I just don't know counting stats-wise what you're gonna get in that in that lineup. So um I, there's just other guys that I would prefer to take here, but I you know, like a 30. 30 homers, 12 steals, 270 average, certainly plays. And he's eligible at both uh, short and second. Um, so that gives him a little bit of an edge there too. So it's, you know, again, it's just a play of how, because uh, we don't know what team story's going to end up with. You know, I mean, nope. we assume it's going to be a good team because why would a bad team be, you know, spending money? But then again, the Rangers did. So you never know. Um, it just kind of what whatever you're, you uh, are choosing to emphasize, but he's he's a solid player. It's interesting, because in, in the range,
0: um, ADP-wise anyway, for Simeon right now, you've got a ton of closers knocking around. Like I think that's one of the key themes that yeah. we've seen this year, is like closers are really, sh- the, the good ones anyway, shuffling right up um, in terms of ADPs. And it's funny, because one of the guys right around, not funny, but one of the guys in this range was Class A. We spoke about him last year. I remember putting a little clip out where you were kind of talking about the, the Cleveland situation, saying, hey, the guy I'm liking is Class A.
2: Did I? Uh, oh, you did? Good.
0: I found oh, a clip okay. earlier. I was searching back for it. I was like, wow, <laughs> wow, look at this clip from Dave calling calling class A. We were talking about Whitgren and da-da-da uh, and Karinczak. Yeah. And, you know, who should yeah, we go they with? They
2: were terrible. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you, go. So,
0: you know, the way things are going, though, this year, right, in this ADP range anyway, like, yeah. everyone's plowing into these closers in this kind of 40-ish range. And you, you, you have to get a closer this year, really. Like you just, have to. It's just yeah. the way it's going this year, right?
2: Yeah, there's just there's so little certainty with right now in the offseason because there's only like nine guys that I the first nine off the board are the only guys that I really feel secure with everybody and and the guys taking those in the 10 to 20 range, I think are paying a way up for them. Like I would rather take a guy that I'm very secure in in the third or fourth round, than take a guy who I don't know, they might not even be the closer in like the sixth round. That's much, much worse. Take the guaranteed guy. So yeah. yeah. I'm going to be definitely emphasizing closer over my shortstop because like we're talking about, there's so many options
1: here. Yeah, but this this goes back to the point like people sometimes people want to talk about this closer pushing up the board as though it's happening outside of the context of the draft that people are in. This is the point that I'm t- people want to talk about it like, oh, I wouldn't pay fourth round for a closer. How could you know that in a vacuum until you are in the room with people who are pushing up closers? It's like once they start doing it, you have to react. If you're someone who's gone into that room, in fact, I would suggest don't react. Maybe sort of know beforehand that you're in a room with a bunch of vultures who are going to do it. And you should probably maybe do it first. You force them to change. And if they don't change and they've decided in a vacuum that... They're not going to pay that price for a closer more fool them. They end up with some dud. That's not even a closer in like the 15th round. And and it's, you know, they've wasted, they've wasted that pick.
2: People who don't know how to make adjustments in drafts. uh, You can never take that next step as a fancy player. You can never have these hard and fast rules. You always have to, every draft is different um you always have to adjust and you you have to be reasonable you can't be you can't be pigheaded and just say no i refuse to do this i'm not going to pay up for closers that's how you lose so you know you
1: you, josh hader in tgf i know tgfbi not money but i took josh hader i think it was in the fourth round last year and that was in and that was uh with my first pitcher actually because yeah (laughs) now yeah. I know closers weren't going up, but I don't regret that pick at all. He returned the oh. value for me. He was absolutely superb. He, he, and I knew he was superb. I was happy paying that price. Um, I, exactly. guarantee, I guaranteed something. And I also forced the rest of the room to start maybe overvaluing some of the other guys. And they had to it, yes. react, you know? Yes.
2: And it's all about looking at the relative difference. So you took a closer in round four how does that look like what well, the hitter you could have gotten round four compared to the closer that they got there to say, let's say like two or three rounds later, the step down from hit the hitter that you would have gotten isn't nearly as big as the step down from the closer. Cause you, you got your closer one or two maybe, and they're getting their closer like 17 by that point. and yeah. And it's such a massive difference. Like when you see that you talk about tiers, well, in closers, the tears fall off a cliff at a certain point and you don't want to be on the bottom of that cliff, you know? So you, you got to do what you got to do. And and it, it feels wrong to people. But if you've been playing this long enough, you know that you just have to do that and you're better off in the long run to just get him early. react. Oh, boy, oh boy.
0: I'm feeling the pain here. I'm just thinking back to Anthony Bass, uh, Bassmania. <laughs> <laughs> Bassmania did not last long. <laughs> I mean, that is—it's the shortest closing tenure of a guy that has a hype video on a multi-year contract there's ever been in Major League Baseball. Bassmania, <laughs> boy, oh boy. Anyway, listen, no more talk of that.
1: Well, are um, you are you uh, going for a one of a British colloquialism here, a bit of slang? Will you be going on a bender this uh this year? No, I. I will wait and see on that for the mark. Like, now, you know, Dave I, is looking at, Dave, is that, I know. you say, going on a bender in the States? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah.
2: We okay. use going on a bender, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. what it means.
1: Look at him. He's, he's got a, I don't he's got know. a beer it in his hand sound, sound It I mean, sounds like one of those stupid British slang phrases that no one else is should it, understand. Is it,
2: actually a, is it actually a British slang thing? Because we, we definitely yeah. use that term. I don't know. We might
1: have gotten it from you. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, as an English teacher, I should probably know the etymology, shouldn't I? But, you know. <laughs> oh, boy who, who Whoa, whoa whoa
2: <laughs> i will say before getting overhyped on bender take a look at what Floro did in the second half first because mm. uh it was he was very very good i don't know what's gonna happen there i'm not i would draft bender as a backup but uh I, i'm not 100 convinced that he takes that job we'll no see I,
1: I was mainly just getting a pun in there you know oh,
2: okay yeah yeah <laughs> of course
1: Right, enough get, of your puns, Ryan. I couldn't puns, get into a phrase.
2: <laughs> 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 Gotta get your fluoride right at the dentist. I don't know. <laughs> That's oh terrible.
1: Days. Oh, yeah. Oh. Thank you for listening terrible.
0: to roto Brits, guys. That is us done for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, I need to get you into this guy that I know you, you've you loved Historically. The good news is, when we do this pod year on year, we have the evidence. That's the one beautiful thing about Road oh, yeah. We can look back. I love it. We yeah. know. I know what you said every yeah. year. You can't, you can't hoodwink me. But Xander Bogarts, baby, you were big on Bogey. And listen, rightly so. This year he's going 47th. He's in that kind of top 50 range. Xander Bogarts, for me, still underrated at that range. Like, Bogey's a stud. Are you, you know. We're getting into shortstops, what are we, we're six, seven guys in now? I'm, I'm more than comfortable with Xander Bogarts all day long at shortstop, as my shortstop one, no doubt. Ryan, what about you?
1: Yeah, I like the player. I like the walk percentage, contact rate. Everything seems to be intact with everything that he's done before. He's got power, a little bit of speed, but not a lot. You know, like six stolen bases, maybe like sort of maybe eight. uh but you know you're going to get a nice high average because of his approach at the plate. And I think there's a little bit of upside. He also seems he seems incredibly healthy. Maybe um, sort of scarily healthy because he, he's, doing, he's doing a lot of full seasons, seemingly. Um, but he's only 29. Um, it seems like a damn fair value to me. I, I think I... Uh, think bogart's i took in the third round last year of a few 15 team leagues and and maybe people thought that was a little high but um he sort of he did he's steady isn't he 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 is he's going to give you a definite supply of things that you need um and there's something to be said for that actually i'm with you
0: I, and to be honest with you it's funny when you look at like adps i, I think the reason bogart's is lower in ADPs right now is because there's loads more closers ahead of him that weren't last year. You know, when you look back to last year, like, he's probably rated at the same kind of range as he was, but just shunted downwards in ADP because you've got 10 closers going in advance of him that didn't last year, probably. But yeah. I like him. Dave, what about you on Bogarts? Are you are you happy uh, with him in this kind of range? I love Bogarts.
2: Um, yeah. he, he came into the year last year with a shoulder injury, um, yeah. which which forced – it was right before the season started, so it forced me to to go away from him, unfortunately. I didn't just sleep as
1: two nights because of that. I remember. I know. I, remember. I, just, I just drafted him in a league, and then I was like, what the hell is this? It came out like Ditto. the next morning.
0: Yeah. I remember you texting me about that, Ryan, saying – is this, is this true Bogart's shoulder? I was like, yeah, it is. And you were like, oh boy, that's, you know,
1: I lost six months off my life expectancy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, uh, I had just drafted him in the earth league uh, last year. And uh, that was, that ended up being my only share because of that injury. I was scared. And I, you know, there's too short to know, like we didn't have a diagnosis of how long it would keep him out or anything. So I just got off of him, and, you know, he had another good year, but, You know He he dealt with, uh, I think, a couple of lower body injuries as well. And what's interesting is coming off of 2020 where he stole eight bases in the short season and didn't get caught, and then last year he was five of six, I'm wondering if he starts to run a little bit more. I think there might be a sneaky ten stolen bases in there possibly. But the main thing is that this guy really started to break out power-wise in uh, 2018. You look at his home run per fly ball rate – 2018 forward 15.5 percent 16.7 18.6 in the short season in the last last year was down to 14.6. I think the shoulder injury was probably a bit of uh, had to do with that a little bit. I would expect him to be closer to a 30 home run kind of guy and possibly add in you know close to 10 steals. And he's a legit 300 hitter. Like this guy is just has such a great uh, you know contact profile. He's just so good. But outside of that, like this guy has a higher max EV than uh Story. He has a the same hard hit rate and barrel rate as Story, like he has more power than Story. So, and he's in a great offense and a good good offensive park. Mm-hmm. Um the only concern is that he doesn't steal enough. But uh in terms of uh for where he goes, I love him.
0: Me too. Talk to me then Dave about Frankie Lindor. He's going a few spots later. Frankie Lindor was you know, back end of the first round kind of guy, historically, it was not a good year for him in the Mets in general. Yeah. Came around at the back end, but Lindor round about 50th overall. What's your assessment of him this year?
2: Yeah. He had a really bad, like April and May, and then he started to turn it on after that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he had an oblique injury in there as well. I, I just, I feel like he's being really undervalued right now because, um he has that he has again he's another guy who has very legitimate power you know one, 113 max ev 44% hard hit rate uh 8% barrel rate uh last year i think he's going to hit closer to 30 homers this year and and that and that speed could easily come back i mean this is a guy who stole 22 out of 27 attempts in 2019 25 out of 35 in 2018 he didn't run as much in 2020 and obviously not as much in 2021. He only ran 14 times. He had 10 steals. Um, but I think 15 is the floor for him. I mm-hmm. think you're going to get 15 steals at least uh, possibly closer to 20 to 25. So I think you're going to see well, now that he's a little more, more comfortable. Uh, you know, you go from Cleveland to New York. It's a big change yeah. um, going from a smaller city to obviously the big city. So um I think that uh, there was uh, some issues there with him, and uh, I think we're going to see he was a lot more selective at the plate last year. And if he carries that forward, he could be kind of his best self next year, possibly. And I, I just I love where he's going. I just think he can be easy easy value at that point.
0: Totally with you. I also really like the fact as well for Frankie that the Mets have, have loaded up again now as well. Right, so the point you're yeah. making of he was the headline guy last year. Like it was all Frankie Lindor. You've now added in Scherzer, Marte, other guys that are gonna draw the eyeballs and the inches in the column, so to speak. I think that's yeah. great. Equally, you know, there was clearly some issues as well they were having, where they were fighting in the dugout, him and McNeil, and you know, there was some stuff going on. Has the raccoon, a
2: roster,
0: <laughs> the raccoon, raccoons <laughs> running wild. There's been a bit of roster over there as well in the Mets too, and so like I, yeah. I don't know, I just got a feeling. My gut feel is Frankie Lindor comes back huge in 2022 is my sense i'm I, I really like him at this value i really do and
2: and uh obviously the average at 230 with a 248 BABIP is a complete fluke like there's there's no way that he's not at least around 260 if not you know 270 275 so
0: 275 with 30 bombs and 15 stolen bags i mean
2: that's very much within his range
0: absolutely yeah. ryan what's your sense on frankie
1: lindor yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't pay for 30, but that doesn't mean that no. I don't like the value. I I would pay for 26. That, that I know that sounds conservative. I like to be conservative in terms of... <laughs> let, I know that's, that's four home runs, but that's what I'd pay for. Um, yeah. I just... There's a reason you know... It, the, the power was legit. I'm not sure that it's legit post-2019. There does seem to be a, a little bit of a shift in terms of what's being produced here and he, and he and when the power was legit he was overperforming his home run to fly ball a little bit as well now that that was a skills thing it was it was legit but I just feel like he has changed slightly I do like the value though I agree you know that was what a bad season for him. He hit 20 home runs and he, he stole 10 bases. I know his batting average cratered, but that's not legitimate. There's no way he's hitting 230 again. So, yes, he's going to return value where he's going. I like him. 26 home runs, 14 steals, and anything else is gravy with a reasonable batting average. That's pretty good for fantasy, isn't it? It
0: mm-hmm. is. Okay. Intriguing one. Ryan, I'll give you first crack of this one. Juan DeFranco is next up in the shortstop pool. He is going five spots after Frankie Lindor. Uh, are you planning to take any of Wanda Franco at this kind of range after you know half a year or whatever he had 21?
1: Oh it's, yeah, it's, this is, this is a tricky one, right? It's not easy. It is not easy. Now this changes if you're in a league that counts OPS or something like that, then his value is going to get a bump because <laughs> this is this is uh in my opinion a really good real life <laughs> not just my opinion everyone's opinion <laughs> this is a this is a real life talent this is like serious yeah. elite talent now what what we're talking about is probably going to be one of the best players in baseball for quite a long time once it hits now the question is when are you jumping in mm-hmm. when are you jumping in and what price you're going to pay, and what can he do in fantasy? Because the reason that people are holding back right now is that there are a few question marks over what sort of power output he can produce, and there are some question marks over how many steals he'll have. But what are there no question marks over? His contact rate, his ability to hit the ball hard, his <laughs> incredible batting eye, for someone at his age, someone who's overperformed to a ridiculous level every single stop along the journey. My head, when I look at my Excel spreadsheet, says that in a non-OPS league, this is too pricey Mm -hmm. for Wanda Franco. And also, I'm probably going to be more tempted by the likes of Bogarts and and the rest of it that are in this range. My gut is telling me that this is going to be a slam dunk and whoever does take him may actually get some profit because I would not be surprised if this guy very quickly becomes a a top two round pick in fantasy easy. I wouldn't be shocked if he hits 330. I, I honestly wouldn't because I, I, I'm not saying that's likely, but there's something about the kid that my gut is telling me, yeah, why can't he hit 25 home runs? Because I think he could. I'm not going to pay for it, but he could. Um, I'll probably end up with Lindor and, and Bogarts, though. <laughs> it's recent
0: recency bias says to me when you sign an extension like this, when it's this type of dude that signs an 11-year extension, they are going to be very, very good, very, very soon.
1: Oh, we've... You heard of Scott Kingery? Oh, Was oh that, it wasn't quite 11 years, but the Phillies were like, Luckily. "Yeah, this is the guy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I I don't like the appeal
2: to authority argument because people always assume that oh teams know what they're doing this guy is healthy that's why they give him the and then it ends up that they're not. i i oh, I don't know he's a certainly a huge talent. um he was twenty years old last year. you know he's gonna be 21 this year, right like superstar in the future, sure. um but you know, we see these guys sometimes struggle to be that good that quickly at least at a fantasy perspective. I mean, Before Vlad's last year, you know, he was, he was solid, but he was not, you know, people overdrafted Vlad before he became, before he exploded last year. Did you have Um,
1: Vlad last year out of interest?
2: I had no Vlad last year. No, me neither.
1: For for almost this exact reason. And that's my point. I almost feel stupid for not having Vlad.
2: Hmm yeah it but was two i don't years i don't vlad, though
1: right <laughs> i'm just playing devil's advocate here and yeah they were no i know slightly but... different scenarios because vlad had had a couple of seasons in the majors understandably yeah
2: yeah exactly i mean vlad was you know uh a year older you know he's 22 last year um and uh you know he had already had 750 plate appearances in the majors before he broke out um and he had to adjust his launch angle and all that stuff too but I, I think Wander's a really good real-life player. I just think in, in fantasy, he'll be overvalued a little bit. I think I think you're paying for most of what he can be before he is that. That's really the, what it comes down to for me. Like, Vlad was – could we all knew what Vlad could do, right? Like, like last year wasn't a shocker, but I wasn't going to pay for it before I saw something close to that, and I hadn't seen something close to that. So it wasn't worth it for where he was going for me. And I understand not wanting to miss out on that, But historically, you're going to do better avoiding guys like that than always being in on guys like that.
1: Yep. I agree. Now, what I will say, the OPS and and the on-base skills, if you're in one of those leagues, then he he definitely becomes more appealing because this it's the batting eye. You watch this kid, like like I'm hyping him in a real life sense. I agree with what you're saying. I'm probably not going to end up with him anywhere in in, in non-OPS leagues. But if you've got OPS involved or on-base or walks or whatever it may be, this is he's a pretty great kid to watch. He, he almost seems a little bit uh, if he can add the power, I think he can basically be one Soto. that that's basically sort of like not that's not a direct comp, but that's the sort of talent in terms of what he's bringing to his approach approach at the plate.
2: Yeah, like in an OBP league, you'd probably take him over Javi Baez, no question. You know, like that's you know, just make uh what? you know.
1: Do you not like do you not like that sort of K rate or what? Like what? <laughs> Uh
2: Javi Baez has never seen a pitch that he didn't like. We'll say that. Good news,
0: Dave. You've you've taken me there in exactly the right spot here, buddy, because <laughs> Javi Baez is the next guy off the board. Me and Ryan kind of nibbled on him a little bit last week. Um, yeah, with the dual eligibility on, on second and, and short. He's now in Detroit. He's now a Tiger. heavy Baez, like, it feels kind of weird to say that, but going 63rd overall, like, he kind of is what he is. Power, power's there. Speed's still there. Strikeout's a problem, but, you know, it's Javi Baez. Is there anything, is there anything different from that?
2: I will say this. There will come a year where he falls off a cliff because his approach only works so long as his aggressiveness and his so long as his athletic ability allows him to be that aggressive because those profiles do not age well now he's only 29 you know i don't think he's falling off a cliff this year um but uh yeah like once that speed dries up and the bat slows down a bit he's gonna have some real problems uh staying relevant um but yeah, I still like him. The power's definitely gonna be down a bit, uh, going from Chicago to, to Detroit. Um, you can expect the home runs to be down. Uh the average though might he might even have a closer to like a 280, 290 average. He might be able to bounce back a bit there. Um, you know, I, I didn't take him in twenty twenty because he has such a volatile profile that it was basically like with with two hundred plate appearances, you know, you have one long cold streak and your season's pretty much gone. And that's yeah pretty much what happened to him. And then uh, he got kind of really faded in 2021 when he probably shouldn't have been. Uh, and then he was kind of back to being Javi Baez again. So uh, like, why, I think, why if do you,
1: th- why do you think he might hit, what are you saying? 280? What are you talking about? Well, in, uh, you know, <laughs>
2: 20, 20, 2018, he had 290. 2019, he had 281. Like, I'm not saying I'm projecting him for that, but he can do that because Detroit yeah. is a better park to get uh, for hits, uh, in terms of like it's a bigger park. Okay. So you have more more places for balls to land than in uh Wrigley. Wrigley's better for homer the homers though. So I expect the power to go down, but I think that the average could go back up. Like I think 265 last year uh was probably a little bit under what he could be. Um maybe 275 I'd say. But uh I just don't like I don't like thinking he's going to have 30 homer power. I think he's more Twenty-five homer power maybe this year.
1: Where's he gonna hit in this? Is he like the cleanup hitter? Like, what's he doing? Yeah, I. Yeah.
2: No idea. I, he, he'll I'm be
1: like, third what? or fourth.
2: Third or fourth, I'd imagine. Yeah. I mean, because he's not
1: he's not your prototypical leadoff hitter. You don't want him there. So no, no, yeah, God, no. You uh, yeah. mind, mind? We're talking about Detroit. I mean, anything goes. I don't have a bloody right. clue. They might play the manager first. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say third or fourth is likely.
1: Okay.
0: Alright, guys. It is the time that we were all waiting for. It's the first <laughs> Marlin off the board. Let's get into it. We talk about Javi Baez and there's some comps being made to the Bahamian Prince, so it's time Dave McDonald to give you first shot at him. Jazz Chisholm Jr., he's going 72nd overall. We talked about him last week a little bit. Where do you sit on Jazz? Um, you know, with similar profile in some ways to Javi.
2: Yeah. Uh obviously there's some risk in the profile, you know, with, with his, with his swing and miss, but uh, whereas my, my high stakes heat co-host Jake Halsker is, is, is off of him completely this year. I'm not because I think that that, that contact rate, you know, I get scared when it's like a sub 70% contact rate. He's still got a 73% contact rate with an 82% zone contact rate. It's not great, but it's not like danger zone. He also has, you know, 112 max EV 42% hard hit rate. Uh, The barrel rate was eight and a half percent last year. Um, He clearly like he's a worker. Uh, You know, this guy's trying to get better. Um, You can't expect a good average from him. But for the homers and steals, I I mean, he's fast. They have no reason to hold him back there. Uh, You know, it's obviously not a great park for homers, but I think you're pretty safe expecting around 20 at least. Um, And the, the speed could be 25 plus. So if you get that, and you pair it with a 230 to 240 average, you know, it, it hurts you a little bit in average, so you'd have to have the right team construction to to put him on. You don't want to put him on a team that already has uh, average issues, but I, I don't think that there's much risk of him, like, regressing to the point that he gets platooned or benched or anything like that. Like, I, I think he's going to keep playing, so I, I'm fine with where he goes.
0: There's no chance of, pl- like, let me just kind of give a bit of insight here. There's no chance he's being benched. There's no chance he's being sent down to Triple uh, AAA because
1: the Marlins middle infield depth is thin,
0: <laughs> very thin.
1: There ain't no one coming up to take Jazz's yeah, spot. up. So. But Pete, that's that's fine and I'm sure you're right, but in some ways that in his profile, if it goes sour and he gets in a slump, that could be bad news to your fantasy team. Like very bad news. To like that's, that's the worry with a guy like this. Now it's good that he stays in the lineup in some ways, but not if he's cratering, like, and it, and it could happen. Now I completely agree that, you know, I, I waxed lyrical about him last week. I don't mind taking, I, in fact, I'm quite excited to take him because I think he's a legitimate threat. If it goes well to, to hit two forty and, and hit 25 home runs and steal 30 plus bases that could happen. Um, yep. but let's just be aware, like we, I always say, know the player in your head. And you have to psychologically know that at some point, you might be dealing with a guy that's on like a one for 50 stretch. Or like, I, I could see it happening. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> I, I hope I'm wrong. I can, but for fantasy purposes, I can also see the adult Bertie Mondesi shit going down where it's like three steals in a game. I can yeah. see him stealing first, second second third and home like this is the sort of guy that's just going to have some fun on that Marlins team so that's the other side to it
2: yeah so the the difference is that while Mondesi has a swinging strike rate of 20 percent and uh a K rate of 31 and a half percent uh you know Jazz Jazz's swinging strike rate was only 12 and a half percent he actually I think he struck out more than you would assume he would given his swinging strike rate like he made good contact and if you look at it like that was better than he ever did in the minors. Like, I think he made some some significant gains uh in 2020, uh, and then coming into 2021. So I I, I don't know. I just I it ultimately comes down to whether you think that you know this is a guy you're gonna put your, your trust
1: in, and I do. Would you take Chisholm or Bias? That's
2: a good question. Um
1: and you and you're sat there. I mean, what's their ADP Pete? I know you're on fan tracks, but or wherever you yeah. are, you are they close? They're about ten spots different. Okay, Baez i th- ten earlier. I think there's
2: more ups. I mean, I I think it's probably clear that there's more upside with Jazz, but I think that Baez is probably a more stable pro. Well, not profile, but a more stable asset. Um, because I think you know what you're going to get from him, average wise. I think it's going to be better. Uh, I think. I don't know. I I would I would rather take Jazz ten picks later. I'll say that. Straight yeah, up, yeah. though, I might slightly lean Baez. Interesting.
1: Seems fair. Seems fair. I would take Chisholm for what it's worth, even straight up. I, I would. Could easily I think, be the right call. I, I think the reason for that, and I, I, it's close, but I, I think the reason is I think the steals are going to be quite a lot higher. Uh, and I, I know that Baez probably will hit for a bit of a better average, though he's a bit of a risk himself based on the way that he swings yeah. the bat. Also, Baez, camarica Yeah, the, power, the power's good, but Chisholm's got something in his profile that suggests to me he could unlock very similar power to what's going on with Baez. So if, given that he could get to that, whereas Baez couldn't get to Chisholm's level of s- speed and steals, it, it sort of makes me lean to, to Chisholm because I feel like I'm banking those steals and I have a chance at getting the same amount of power.
2: Chisholm also had a lot of injuries last year, with hamstring, ankle, shoulder. I mean, it was just ah. Uh, you are really concerned about that,
1: Doctor Dave. Get off our podcast. <laughs> get off. <laughs> no, you're you're right. Yeah, he did. And um, Pete, you can expand on that. What's the deal? Are, are they are they yeah, concerned you... on on him in terms of you know is it coming from running the bases? Is it coming from playing too hard? What's the deal? It's a bit of both, actually. He really threw himself around in the field a lot. Actually, the shoulder injury at
0: one point uh, was—he was almost in the outfield. It was a diving catch in the outfield, hurt himself again, running bases two, sliding like—he's an energetic dude, and he he plays 110 miles an hour. And I think that's the main risk I think to Jazz, like just going yeah. too hard, like that truly is. Like he just throws himself around maybe just needs to work out how he can look after himself a little bit better in some of his technique, both fielding and running bases and sliding. Like, when you see him sliding, right, he, the amount of time, I've never seen a guy slide through the base, off the base as many times I've seen. Like he goes too fast. You don't need, Jazz, you can just rein it in slightly. You're still taking the bag easily. They're not even bothering to try and get you because you've you've beat them. He's sliding through bags. So, yeah, yeah I, it's one of those he does, I think, need to rein it in slightly. Like clearly, does it, does it,
2: does it concern you for this year? Ah,
0: uh, I, I think it. I think it does. Like that risk is is there. It's kind of a little bit like kind of Tatis, really. Where you kind of know it's yeah. there in the profile, and you kind of go, "Yeah, you're just waiting for it to happen," which is a bit
1: of a shame. Um, so I'm interested so in, to see. You know, really the really interesting, like just listening to someone that watches. This is it. You, you're watching the yeah. team. That that is an. In, you've just given us an insight that. I couldn't have had from my spreadsheet alone. Absolutely. That's the truth of it. And and it's not, sometimes I'm wary of hearsay or uh, what someone's written or said, but that it's not bollocks either what you've just said. Like, <laughs> no, it's actual insight. Like it, it's sort of factual and on the ground and, it, and it's so, no, very interesting.
2: And it fits exactly what I thought was the issue with him. And, you know, the Indians used to have a guy named Grady Sizemore, you might've heard of him, Uh, he was pretty much on the path to the hall of fame. And then he kept running into walls and diving for balls. And like, he played so hard that he played himself Mm -hmm. out of baseball too early at a young age. And it was really sad to see, you know, he he was that elite kind of talent. And uh, I hope jazz doesn't go that way. Me
0: too. Absolutely. For sure. A lot of discourse on jazz for sure, but he is
1: just bumping down a few spots. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He's he's torpedoed. plummeting. Baez you every day. You don't have to worry though, Ryan. <laughs> any league he's in, any league that we're in together, you don't have to worry about it because I'm... <laughs> just to kind of wrap up on where I'm going with it, I know I've just said that there is it is an injury concern. I like him better than Baez. I like him better than Franco as well. I've got to be honest. Like, I, I, I like him better than both those two to be honest this year. Very
2: different player from Wander for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> for yeah, sure. I don't mean that... The, I mean in fact, again with fantasy hats on, right? Like I'm I'm not convinced that Franco in that spot, and I, I think Jazz is undervalued. So that's,
1: that's the fair. rationale for me. Yeah, but there's all, there is only one difference, and and sometimes this may sound brutal, and I, I don't mean to offend anyone in the room. <laughs> the, the main difference we can talk about fantasy till we're blue in the tooth, but the main difference between Wanda Franco and Jazz Chisholm is that Wanda Franco is good at baseball. Like what what I actually mean by that is. He's a better hitter. He, he's got a better batting guy. He's more intelligent. He, he has something that Jazz Chisholm can never have. He will never have it. It will never be in Jazz Chisholm's profile. Now, that's not necessarily for fantasy. We're looking at it in a different way. We're, we're mm-hmm. looking for different things. But sometimes I do think it's useful to stop and say, actually, and I do it with Juan Soto, there was a reason that I knew Juan Soto was a beast. He took more walks in his minor league career than he struck out. More walks than strikeouts. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah, if you look at Wanda Franco, same thing. Same thing. That's ridiculous. And one, we will eventually undervalue Franco. And when he breaks out, I think he's going to be very, very good. I'm with you. I think that's I'm fair.
0: Yeah. I think it's fair. Let's keep it rolling and get into Jorge Polanco then, not Juan DeFranco, Franco. Let's get into Polanco, and he is going, duh, duh, duh. he is going 85th overall. So kind of 15 spots or so after Jazz second base eligibility as well. We touched on him last week. Dave Polanco with these twins um, had a real nice year last year, and yeah. you know, we spoke about it last week. That had kind of been a little bit undervalued for some time. Has the market readjusted? I think appropriately for him now.
2: Yeah, the, the way that this goes usually is uh, the guys that break out usually they're undervalued and then they have their huge year and then everybody wants them after they have their big year. That's the time exactly not to take them um, because you're you're essentially paying for the best year that you might see from them. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm looking at his home run per fly ball. I mean, 15.8 stands out like a sore thumb. I mean, he he was 9.6 was his previous high, so. I feel like he's probably do a bit of regression in the power department. Um, he does steal some bases. He was 11 for 17 on the bases on the base pass. So if he keeps running that much, he could steal 15 bases. But I, I don't know if he will. I also hate the twins because they, they sit guys a lot. They're kind of like the Rays, like they they don't play many people every day. Um, maybe they'll play Polanco every day. He he played 152 games last year. Um, so he was pretty close to that. But I, I worry, you know, if he struggles. Uh, a bit will they sit him? Um, he's got a pretty really stable profile though. I just feel like right now people are paying for the production of last year, and I I don't I don't feel good about ex- getting that back this year.
0: What about a few spots later? Corey Seager, mate, eighty well eighty eighth overall. Corey Seager, obviously now with the Rangers too. I mean they've just absolutely doubled down on middle infielders seemingly. What about Seager in this range? You preferring
1: him?
2: No. No, I, I don't. I don't want anything to do with Seager. Can you uh, believe
1: that this guy was a? Was he going third round last year? It was the most yeah. obvious dumb shit that I've ever seen in my entire life.
2: Yep, because he had a monster short season. You know, he had 15 homers and a 307 average. Like he's super talented. There's no question. But this guy can never stay healthy. I mean, he hasn't been healthy since 2017, and <clears throat> now he's going into the Rangers offense. I, I come. I mean, his power is going to be down going from the best power park in baseball to the to below average Um, horrible lineup change difference here I'm just I'm pretty much out at this cost right
1: you know what's so weird is um, I actually I keep my projections from this time last year and I have them to the left on on my uh, spreadsheet and then I create my projection for this year on the player and you often find that there is some change but I always look at it and I think that allows me to stop and go right what has changed in this profile that would cause me to to shift the home runs or the average or the steals that's basically what i'm thinking in my head something sort of has to have changed in order for me to do it with seager actually last year i projected him 280 batting average 24 home runs and one steal and i thought who would pay a third round pick for that it's absolutely dross for fantasy like who would do it um and this year i'm projecting him for 280 22 home runs and one steal. So I've only taken two home runs off him and maybe that's... It might be 20 instead of 22 considering the ballpark, but mm-hmm. basically it's still not palatable like where he's going because there's no speed. There's no... He's a good yeah. baseball player, but there's nothing appealing about him. The, no speed, health
0: concerns, Bad lineup. upgrade, nope. pa- sorry, park downgrade, Bad Lineup's grade. terrible, like... There really isn't
1: that much to like about Corey Seager in in many ways. I think people had convinced themselves last year that he was somehow one of these like elite guys that was definitely going to hit 310 or something. No, that, that wasn't quite the case. Like he's capable of that sort of season, but that doesn't mean that he's definitely locked in that player every single year. You know, he's,
2: he's got a really good strikeout rate. His, his hard hit rate, max EV barrel rate are all really, really good. It's just other things that are, I mean, like you said, he, pretty much everything you listed you know doesn't uh doesn't run doesn't have a good park doesn't have a good lineup and uh i don't trust him to stay healthy so it's just there's too many strikes against for me there
0: all right guys couple of final deep divers um because you know we're still in the top 100 picks Actually, actually was still in the top 90 we about, how many guys yeah. we talked about this is this is the point the, the like top 15 of the <laughs> it's so deep Yeah. Um, So there's a couple more deep divers, guys. Then I'll throw it to you guys to kind of, you know, if there's any other names that you want to throw out there. But the next one off the board, I mean, I I don't know how we work this one out either. Bobby Witt is going, you know, 90th overall. Bobby Witt Jr., the Royals. Um, He's obviously torn it up at pretty much every level thus far, but he's effectively a prospect, right? Uh, Untested completely at the major league level. Yeah. Dave, are you willing to take the risk here? I mean, is this a landmine? Is it not? I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's just this is just not. I, he could very well be really good, right? Like projections love him. I mean, his yeah, projections yeah. are insane. Um, I, I just, it's just not my style. I, I don't know. He could struggle. Uh, not just that, I don't know if he's starting with the team. If he, yeah. It, I I know that the new collective bargaining agreement, they probably won't do the stupid thing where they have to keep their guys in the minors for two years to get another, you know, year of eligibility or whatever, uh, two, two months. Yeah. I I don't, I think they're going to fix that, but I don't know. He might not start with the team. They have a lot of options there. I mean, they've, they've got, you know, Mondesi, Whit Merrifield, uh, Nikki Lopez. They've got, they've got a lot of pieces there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where they I don't know where they're going to fit whoever in. now they will play him like when he's up there he'll he'll play uh they'll make a spot for him but I just don't know if there's a rush to do that or not like I don't know if Kansas City's probably not competing this year so I don't know um chances are he starts with up with them but I just think there's too many downsides that I'd rather take a guy that I feel more secure with
0: I just don't understand the the risk here at this point like there's so many questions not a you know the is he with the team, fundamentally? Is he going to be there adding stats to your roster from day one? That's the first fundamental one. And beyond that, you know, clearly we haven't seen him at the level either. Like
1: Ryan, 90th overall, are you going anywhere near Bobby Witt Jr.? Um, no, because I don't like to start the season with guys that I don't know are on the team. Like it's, yeah. it's like, you know, you get these guys that want to draft people that are injured because they think they've fallen a few rounds and that means they've definitely got value. Well, it's ridiculous. Even if they take in a league where there's no IL, especially, like you're going to take up a bench spot and like with a guy that's injured, for example, and and you you got him five rounds later than you otherwise would or ten rounds later than you otherwise would have done. But guess what? In week two, you're gonna need the bench spot. So guess what you're doing with him? You're dropping him. So you've just wasted a pick. It's just dumb. Um the Bobby Witt thing, I, I like the play. If I knew he was definitely starting with the team, <laughs> I can see why people are tempted because you just look at last... Yeah. It's the minor leagues. He hit 33 home runs and he stole 29 bags. And I I know that the contact rate probably isn't going to be great. And I'm not sure what batting average he's going to return because we've never really seen him at this level. So that's the thing. We don't... The batting average is a, is a risk. I would probably say there's power, but I don't know how much Power either yet really because that was just one minor league season so hands off for me um but eventually I think in fantasy we're going to be talking about him quite a lot
0: yeah hundred percent I think that's the the perfect assessment really you know let's fast forward a year and it'll be a completely different conversation but for me right now it. I'd just go nowhere near it at this price tag, knowing what we know right now, anyway. So I'll what? say this if he
2: was like a third baseman or something at a position where I, I was looking for another target, I think there's more of a chance that I would be willing to take on him. Whereas at shortstop, there's just, there's still like seven other guys after him that I'm really into. So yeah. I just don't think I'm going to do it.
1: So there what really is. is their plan with them? Um, <laughs> what are they going to do? Play him and Mondesi? Like this is. Minnesty
2: would probably move to third base uh summer It's going saying. to be like At an moment.
1: insane... If that does happen, like... Yeah. You, you could be watching Kansas City quite a lot if you constructed a certain fantasy team or even just to sort <laughs> of like watch what's going on because it could be pretty yeah. fun stuff over there. Uh, the interesting point, though, sure. is...
0: Actually, with some of these guys we're talking about, uh, maybe, and, and the division they're in, are the Royals actually going to be going for it this year? Like, could they be? I don't know what their pitching's like. I'm not sure... I don't. I have no idea what their pitch is like, actually, but not good. No, yeah, okay. So <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's some there's some
2: flashy names in some parts here. Like it is the AL. it is the AL Central though, so anything can happen. That's but I, mean. I feel like the White Sox are so good that it's going to be really tough to true, to true. hang in with them.
1: I feel like Kansas City won won the World Series, and they were shit the year that they won the World Series like <laughs> like no no all no, like, right sometimes that happens in baseball doesn't it you sort of watch a season sure. you think yeah. my god how did they do that like <laughs> they get to the playoffs and then they do really well like but they weren't certainly wasn't the type of team i liked watching but good luck to them all right then uh, i just offended the whole of, like,
0: <laughs> an entire listen, state. Like, <laughs> there's no Royals. There's an
2: ocean between to... you. You're fine. You're there's fine. a limited
0: number of Royals fans, I believe, tuning in. There are a few, though. <laughs> I do know there are a few Royals fans. That there are,
1: listening, are a few. So, you don't you know, hear about many UK Royals fans, actually. But um, I guess it's a bit I didn't different.
2: think there would be any UK Marlins fans either, but yet here we are. Here we are. There's a massive hub. <laughs> massive Is hub. There, Is there seriously? I mean, there's
1: at least five of us. Okay. Guys, these okay. guys are smart, though. They go on holiday to Florida, um, Dave. Well, they, makes, you don't want to go on holiday sense. to Kansas, really. I mean, with respect.
0: <laughs> That's true. It's one of the only ballparks I've been to, uh, interestingly enough. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it looks pretty. I've never been. That's one that I've not been to. We were late. We got there late. It was about the sixth inning. And by that time, things were winding down. More beers, and we didn't watch any baseball. But anyway, let's not go off on that tangent. <laughs> um, I was still hungover from the day before. But anyway, the next guy off the board, Carlos Correa, intriguing guy, 108th, 107th overall. Ryan, Carlos Correa?
1: No, it's oh. uh, it, it's basically, at some point in my life, I put Carlos Correa into um, a dark room in my mind with Corey Seager. Um, and I okay. basically just took both of them and said, you're not that far removed from each other, and I don't want anything to do with either of you. And that's what happened. Um, okay. I'm not going to give any more details. There's no, there's no speed. Um, there have been health concerns in the past, and yeah, all right. So he's got some power, but loads of. The, we've just spoken about a ton of guys that have got power and have got speed and can hit for average. So mm. what the hell? No, no thanks. Well, it, I mean, it's a really interesting range around the hundred turn,
0: where you've got. I mean. <laughs> Doctor Dave will absolutely pull this one apart, but you got Big Giancarlo, standard <laughs> knocking around, Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich, uh, Grandal. I mean, Tony Rendon. Kind of a few picks later. I mean, it's a really interesting range around. The are you the
2: are you reading the range that goes there? Or are you reading the IL right now? I not, use... <laughs> 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 this
0: sounds like the IL. I think it's fair to say, but. Um... Dave, what about you and Correa? I guess uh, you'll have some concerns, I guess, in this one.
2: Yeah. Uh, A lot of what Ryan said, honestly, like he's very similar to Corey Seager. Um, Mm. They both have, they're both really good players, like in terms of their ability to hit, but from a fantasy perspective, you're not giving me speed and unlike Correa or uh, unlike uh, Correa, unlike uh, Seager doesn't have the ability to hit for 300 average. Um, you know he he did really well in the middle of Houston's lineup because he stayed healthy for the first time since 2016. But that's not something you can count on. And again, this is another situation where you'd be taking a guy coming off of uh, his high on his, at his high water mark ADP off a really good season, and that's that's not where you want to invest because likely he'll be a letdown after this. We don't even know where he's playing next year, so yeah. he could go back to Houston. Uh, he almost went to Detroit. He could end up on a shitty team too. So I would. Uh, really-
1: I would rather have Glaber Torres or um, actually Damsby Swanson. I would rather have either of those guys because
2: I would rather have either of them and and some others too. I actually got Adamas. Adamas is one other one. Yep.
1: You'd rather have Adam. Um, Well, certainly at the value. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I'd rather have Adamas. Yeah. I don't know whether I'd take him above those guys, but um, certainly Torres and Swanson, I think I would, you know, well, I'm, it's irrelevant, because like you said earlier with uh, Tatis, once someone's off your board, it sort of becomes yeah. irrelevant. Like, yeah, so uh, yeah, I would take a Dharmas before them, because I'm never going to take them. <laughs>
0: okay, well, I feel like it's a good time for us to kind of take a collective breath, and equally, I'll throw it to you guys now. Of you, know, You kind of mentioned a few there, kind of in passing there, Ryan, but other names we're interested in names that we seriously are interested in that perhaps aren't in the top well we've covered 15 or so guys there already and um so i'll kind of let you guys ponder on that um dave who have you got kind of queued up on on your kind of shortstop sex list here Um, deep a little bit deeper down i guess that's swanson if we're talking about the sex list but
2: i mean i guess it depends on how how far down you want me to go and how many guys you want me to give you because there's there's a bunch here still so well i mean let
0: the don't let me stop you, buddy. I mean, you, you <laughs> fire from the hip. You know the drill. It's all good. Well,
2: I'll uh, I'll let Ryan cover uh, Dansby and and uh, Adamus. I'll I'll bring up a couple here. You know, you you touched on Gleber I think he's really interesting. Um, we saw a massive, you know, power guy his first two seasons in the majors, and then it seemingly like kind of disappeared in 2020 and 2021. Uh, but the metrics don't really support that. Like the barrel rate was last year was pretty much the same. Uh, Hard hit rate was the same. Max TV was actually a little bit higher. Uh, His contact rate was better. Um, He stole 14 bases too. And I don't know if he ran because he was struggling power wise, but I think he's in for a a massive uptick in power. Like I think he'll probably give you closer to what he did in 2018, but that was in under 500 plate appearances. So I think, I think Labor Torres, you know, could give you 25 to 30 homers. No problem. Uh, If he keeps running too, that's just another facet that you're getting at that point and you know, 260, 270 average. Um, I'm I I just love the value for where he's going.
0: Can I just add on, on Torres, the only thing I'm nervous about, I, I have a sense the Yankees may pile into one of the other free agents that are out there. Like I would not shock me at all. So I guess that's just a gut you, feel. But...
2: You think that they would bench Torres?
0: I don't know. I mean you're gonna if you if you sign Story, um you're gonna lock him in, right? Um, I don't know.
2: Oh, um, nah,
1: I don't... St- going Philadelphia. You cross that one off. That's, oh I yeah. Mean, that's a good fit too, by the way. I don't know. I just, I just made it up, but it sounds great because D.D. <laughs> Gregorius can, can get out of town. He's only got one year left on his contract. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like if the Phillies decided that that was a good idea, but, um, well, they're, they're talking
2: done. about giving Bryson Stott a shot.
1: Well, yeah, okay, and and they do have a lot of money tied up into into Harper and and Wheeler and a few others as well. So, yeah, maybe not, but uh, it would be a nice fit because I feel like of all the parks that you downgrade from, cause like going to Philly Citizens Bank Park might be quite nice for uh, for Story. Um, I can dream, it would. Dave, so, Pete, I, I think
2: I think they could add a shortstop, but they they currently have Gio Urshela plugged in as their shortstop in New York, and they have uh, Glaber as their second baseman. So. I mean they've got a lot of moving parts there because they got LeMahieu who can play all around. They've got, you know, Voit, who knows Stanton, who's gonna play DH. I mean, I don't
1: think Torres is I don't think they're gonna move on from T- Torres is 25 I don't years think old. So. Like I, yeah. I'll just be honest, I don't he's think he's so, 25 either. years old and and he's shown pre- we said earlier, once you show a skill, you've got the skill. He's shown <laughs> he's shown skills. So um for me, Torres was a guy that I was well off when the you know, all of a sudden it was like. People were getting a bit too excited because he was a young Yankee and he'd, he'd had this uh this big season and all the rest of it. Um, although, really, the, the 38 home run season was littered with the reasons to think that regression was definitely due. So of that course. was the moment to go, whoa, third round for this kid who's 23 years old and just had, like, the ultimate season. That's a reason to go, ah, no, thank you. Whereas there were a lot of people going – I want this kid because he's on the Yankees and he's a Bronx bomber and yeah all right fine you you draft him now we're at the reverse end of that now it's like now it's like the 38 home run season never happened he yeah. doesn't play for the Yankees and he's like 40 years old or something like <laughs> I don't I don't understand what happens in people Talking about Miguel fans. Rojas like, again are these the same people that were willing to get him in the third round that are now not willing to take him in like what pick is he going like 140 or something like, 150 yeah come on like no there's value to be had is it certain no but um right i i like him i like him around here
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely i think Good people just don't him. understand regression it's it's a thing that you know, it's, it's more recency bias. We look at the last season instead of looking at the whole overall profile, and we don't know how to properly regress based on the skills that they've shown us. And that's, it's really what it's all about.
1: Yeah. And you know, in the 29, in the 2019 season, when he hit 38 home runs, he overperformed his home runs fly ball quite handsomely last season. And in the shortened season, he was just, yeah. he was massively underperforming his home run to fly ball. Now there's probably reasons. I know that he's had some time on the IL. He's had issues with his thumb. He, he, you know, I'm not saying he's going to get back to 38 home runs, by the way, but what I'm saying is, no, no, I'm, no. I'm happy to pay this price and, and sort of think 24 home runs with 10 to 15 steals. That, that would be pretty good. Um, I got him pegged pretty closely with Swanson, who I'll, who I'll talk about. Um, I got Torres for a slightly higher average because I don't think Swanson um, necessarily... Not, it's not that much difference, but I don't think Swanson's going to be an average guy just based on... <laughs> he, he doesn't really have a... He's not showing any signs that he's going to sort of grow his contact skills anytime soon. Um, no, I agree with that. Yeah, But he is showing the signs that he's... um he maybe has a little bit left in the tank power-wise. I'm sort of looking at it like I have him pegged at 26 home runs, but when I do it, I sort of – I'm always pegging conservatively, and sometimes I'll make it quite static. So, like, with – it's funny how – like, I'm talking about how my mind works in in some ways, and it might not be the same for everyone, but, like, Lindor I put at 26, and I actually think, me personally – I think maybe 28, but I'm not going much further than that. That's my opinion. Whereas with Swanson, I'm kind of like 26, but I wouldn't be that surprised if you hit 32. Um, and I, there's something in this profile that says there's there's home runs to come, the home runs fly ball and underperformance, the, the power. And 10 steals seems to be pretty much in the bank with this kid. So you're getting them on top so i like the value one thing you haven't mentioned
0: about dansby contract year baby Uh, you gotta bump up a few for that right contract year yeah yeah um maybe (laughs) maybe (laughs) stick that in a spreadsheet (laughs) i don't
1: i don't think i've ever done
0: it uh listen we talk about sophomore slumps contract years someone needs to look into these you know they must be real who they talks about it. sophomore slumps i think me and dave were talking about yeah. it because yeah. I, I claimed <laughs> yeah. last year was jazz because oh,
2: you guys you guys on the second base pod you just got done talking about how sophomore slumps are real with jonathan india and that's, that's why you were off them of, and then people's was like but I I'm am, all in on Jazz Chisholm, who's his sophomore season. I am so
1: done with being lumped into the plural pronoun of "you guys." Just got done talking about this. That is that is not what happened. Like, I said yeah. bugger all. I think I said I liked India. <laughs> I think you did, Dave. Dave, do
0: you like India? That's the
2: question. That's I've my gotten. bad. That's my bad. I mean, yeah, I, I I don't know. I like him to a to a degree. I you know he gives you uh, some speed and some power, so. Uh, i'm 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 into him but uh no i'm sorry sorry about that ryan uh
1: <laughs> no i guys I'm, I'm only me and Pete have an ongoing thing here this is funny um dave and pete um we we discussed uh crone i'm gonna mention cronenworth because he he got mentioned yeah. in, the, in the 20 uh, uh in the second base pod cronenworth mm. i, I, I kind of like the player actually I like the batting eye contact percentage takes a load of walks um I'm not that keen on how many ground balls he hits especially for a guy that isn't really a power hitter anyway so I kind of question the power and I think 18 home runs is like again that's 18 home runs with not much room for growth kind of thing and it could be less um but the average will be nice with a few steals I just don't see myself picking him um and I I sort of want to question at the same time Um, whether you would prefer a guy like, uh, or where you would put a guy like Luis Urias, who is not going to hit for as good an average, but probably has a bit more power potential than Cronenworth, um, potentially. So I'm just going to put those two names out there and see what we think about them.
2: Yeah. And they're both like eligible at three positions each. So they're kind of in the same, you know, uh, kind of give you similar things like second, third short for Urius first, second short for corner so that you also get corner and middle and field with both of them, which is like pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it just depends on your team build. Like um, part of my hesitation. Uh, well, all right. So with, with sorry, uh, with Corona like the power is kind of there. I mean, he, he didn't hit a lot of hard hits last year, but the max EV sh- is is actually like at one eleven is is not far off from 111 and a half from uh, from Urias. Um, and we also see some growth there. Um, you know, we uh, you know he's not going to strike out a lot, Cornworth. Um, he's in a good lineup. He should provide really good numbers. They play him all around. Uh, I don't know. You know he stole a good amount in the minors, but we haven't really seen that in the majors. It hasn't really he? He he ran seven times last year, four times in the short season. Um, it's hard to project him for even ten steals. So, and you know, Urias ran. He stole five last year too. I think it just comes back down to, you know, I think that you're going to have more homers from Urias, but uh, probably a better average from Cronenworth. And I think I think Cronenworth two sixty six he hit last year. I think he was massively underperformed i mean 283 babbitt but i think he's probably going to be closer to like 280 i would say at, at the minimum with his with his elite contact rates 87 percent contact rate 94 percent zone contact rate um and he's also had some growth uh in terms of the fly ball rate has come down a bit so if and the fly ball rate jumped from 29 to 36 granted short season to, to the full season but uh you know, this is a guy who was drafted to be a pitcher. So he's, uh he's developmentally a little bit behind, I think where other guys might be at his age. So I think there could be still some growth coming for Cronenworth. I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I don't expect him to ever be like a monster of any sort, but um I love both of these guys because of the eligibility they give you. I think they're just kind of two different players. I think it depends on whether you're looking for more power or more average. Hmm.
0: I liked it too. We said last week, didn't I Ryan? That I. I like Cronenworth, like the versatility, like the lineup. I think there's some untapped potential, I think, there as well with Cronenworth. Like, I feel like there could be more, um, particularly on the power side that maybe we didn't see last year. So, I'm definitely, that's my preference of these guys, I'd say. You know, there's, there's quite a difference in ADP of maybe like 20 spots. Like, Cronenworth's quite a bit earlier going right now than Urias, but...
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm not... Yeah. Neither You're not feeling him, right? He's, 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 gonna, he's not going to pop I, for you, is he? I on like the eligibility. Feet. There's just something that... I'm a bit bored by both of them, but we're a bit yeah. lower down. I'm <laughs> going to be a bit more bored because, you know... Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, some of them are... As we get into sort of lower down, I'm I'm, I'm interested, since we do have a uh, Guardians <laughs> fan on on the pod, we need a little bit of insight on... now. I talk about gut, right? I talk about gut. Last year, my instinct was Jimenez was a no. My instinct was no. I think I even said it on the pod. And then what happened in a low stake, pretty low stakes, but a pod, a a league that we did um, amongst uh, British podcasters and stuff and friends was I took Jimenez um, in a draft and hold. And I didn't love it because you could
0: feel the pain. You know, could <laughs> feel the pain
1: in his voice. Know, I hated it. I, I got swayed. I got swayed by discourse, which shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. And Rosario did what I thought in my head that Ahmed Rosario would not have been. They wouldn't have gone after him in a trade if they weren't intending to play him. But also, he was more experienced at that point in his career than Jimenez. And there was always going to be a path to playing time for Ahmed Rosario between what they were going to do in the outfield and what they were going to do in the middle infield. Now, this season, I still don't really love Jimenez in terms of the power, but he is at a price point In drafts, where if he does get the playing time, he could provide some serious value given his speed. So I'm interested to get from the Guardians fan what's going to play out with Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario.
2: Oh, when it comes to Jimenez, I don't have a clue. Like I don't know what his. You you would have to assume that they want him to play, but I mean, at no point last year, even at the end, did he ever get everyday playing time. So it's really kind of dangerous to assume that he will, but I certainly think he's much better than what we saw last year. I, I think, you know, for where he goes around two um I'm probably going another direction at that point in the draft. I like, I, I think I'd even rather have like VR over him mm-hmm. um, assuming he gets a starting spot somewhere, but he's another guy, he's a free agent. So we don't know where he's going to end up. Um, I, you know, with, with Jimenez, he's just, he doesn't make enough contact, given the fact that he's not a power hitter. Um, you know, 71% contact rate. Yeah, it's its not good. Um, I just, I, I feel like he's the kind of guy who's going to have cold streaks. And when he is, he can get platooned or benched or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to, he's a lefty too. So lefties off. Often... struggling.
1: Was he struggling versus lefties towards the end? I think it started to sort of get worse, didn't it?
2: Uh, I mean, I I don't know specifically if it did during at the end or not, but I okay. mean, his like he's only got sixty plate appearances against lefties in okay. the majors so far, and he's hit two twenty against them. But <clears throat> what I've realized is that every uh, every time you see a lefty and they're struggling, that's the first guy that the managers want to platoon because they, it's in their head that lefties struggle against lefties, whether. Whether that's right or not, I'm always more concerned about left-handed hitters getting platooned if they can't hit lefties. Like Jared Walsh. I'm concerned about him because he has a history of struggling against lefties where yeah. if they yeah. if they have someone else to put in against lefties, they will. And I think he's he's a platoon risk. I'm
1: so far um, off Jared Walsh this year for the same reason.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so I I it's it's not that I think he necessarily has to be platooned, but I think it's a there's a higher probability for him than uh, anybody else that I can see you on that early. Now, Rosario, I, I like, Um, you know, as long as you're not counting on him for more than 10 to 15 homers uh, you know, he doesn't really have the power. He hits a lot of ground balls, um, but he has a stable contact profile. Uh, I think the main source of value with Rosario is he can run a lot more Um, in 2018. He ran 35 times. He had 24 steals. 2019 he ran 29 times and then in the short season he only ran once for whatever reason and then last year he was a perfect 13 for 13 and the india or the guardian sorry love to run so i don't see what would hold him back from running significantly more i think he could steal 30 plus bases this year so
1: what held him back last year why why was he not stealing more
2: no idea yeah nobody nobody really knows yeah it's strange
1: uh, he, is. you think he's a lock in this lineup? One well, like he played a lot yeah. last year, but yeah, he's in.
2: Yeah, I think he's he's a lock. I I don't have any concerns with Rosario. He, it's also telling where guys hit in the lineup. He was a guy who always hit at the top of the lineup. Whereas Jimenez was a lower lineup guy. Anytime you hit between six and nine, your playing time is much more uh, unstable than the guys who are one through five. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I got him. I have 10 home runs and 16 steals and I'm, I'm thinking not much more power wise, maybe 12, but the steals could be a yeah. lot more. So again, I would that, say, I know.
2: would say up like the ceiling is like 15 homers. Um, yeah. And I would yeah. say that the ceiling for steals is like 35.
1: Yeah.
2: So I'm not saying that's what you should project. Like you talk about being conservative, you know, if you're expecting 16, I think that's fine. I'm just saying that this is one of those profiles where, if he, if he decides to give himself the green light to run, they can be significantly more.
1: Yeah, I mean, he stole twenty-four bases for the Mets in twenty eighteen. So it's and he, not. Like he, and he ran
2: thirty-five times. He had, he got caught eleven times.
1: Yeah. No, he he was actually turned out to be. I know he only hit eleven home runs and, and stole thirteen bags, but he did it two eighty last year, and he was. Yeah. Who's going below Jimenez in drafts? Because
2: he's a he's a legit good average hitter. Like he can easily hit 280, 285.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was he was nice last year, and I, I like him again this year. Nice. I think he should. It's good it's good to know that he's gonna play. That's the main thing, because I still think yeah. there might be something. I know he had five hundred and eighty odd uh plate appearances last year, but there still might be something in people's heads. A hangover from, from last year where people are thinking yeah. Oh, he's not a lock. Like he, he's not a lock. Cause Jimenez is Jimenez is the guy that Jimenez won. is not a lock. Like, yeah. I don't know. You know what I, But in, yeah. in people's heads, there could still be this bias um, there that's hanging over. Um, so yeah. It's good to know could that, be, yeah.
2: but no, I, I have no concerns with Rosario. I think he's going to hit in the top of the lineup, um, you know, f- probably first or second. And then uh, Jimenez, I have, I have no idea what they're doing with him. So yeah. Um, if he falls a bit, I'm I'd be okay with him but I really like Rosario as like an upside steals play. Like if you are short on steals and uh, you're looking for a guy who could steal significantly more than his projection, he's, he's, he's that guy. Um, and then uh, as, as a, a final guy that I, that I kind of like it at his value going later, kind of going uh, a bit later after pick 200 is Brandon Crawford. Oh, sorry, Pete. I was, I'm going to leave your guy for you, Pete. Boy, oh um, boy. You had me, you had me with the buildup then. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to leave that and for the, you. And though, then buddy. you said Brandon Crawford and right. I <laughs> nearly <we> fell asleep.
2: <laughs> so Brandon Crawford, uh, changed his swing last year significantly. And so yeah. when I see that so it all,
1: the giant seemingly.
2: I, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I don't know. I don't know what they did, but it worked. Um, and, uh, I, I just, I really buy into this, him being able to kind of do this again. Like he's raised his fly ball percentage significantly over the last several years. And uh, you know, he, he doesn't strike out a lot. He walks a good amount. Uh, He also ran last year for the first time, like in a while. I mean, he usually steals like five to seven, but he stole 11 last year. I'm not saying necessarily to expect that again, but I think, I think you can probably get seven or eight sneaky steals there i also don't expect to return to the 300 average that he had last year. I think you'd probably be closer to 265, maybe 270, something like that. Uh, but I do think that the power is legitimate. And he's one of the guys who they actually play every day in that lineup. Like the Giants are another team that they play a lot of platoons, but uh, mm-hmm. Crawford is their starting shortstop. He's going to be in there every day. And uh, I think people are under, over uh, uh, underrating him because he's old. And like your reaction, he's kind of been boring in the past. And people are kind of overlooking him. Like, there's – I mean, he's going after Nicky Lopez, Gavin Lux, Josh Rojas. Oh, sorry. Those are after him. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, Brendan Rogers, uh, even O'Neill Cruz. I don't know what's going to happen with him this year. I'm taking him over those three pretty easily. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wanted to ask you about O'Neill Cruz. I was intrigued about him. Obviously, he had, he a, little, he had a little – a very stint. He's an intriguing dude. Ran about 200 overall for O'Neill Cruz. Like – I'm very intrigued, very intrigued on him. I, I don't know where things are up to with him, whether he's going to make the roster and all those kind of questions. So I need to dig into that. But the profile looks very interesting, I think. What What do you see with him, Dave?
2: He had an exit velo on a, on a pitch of 118 last year. I mean, yeah. like, the power is ridiculous. Um, and he yeah. also runs, too. Uh, and you'd think like being in and I mean, the projections are, are again, it's kind of like Bobby Witt. They're massive. Um, I, I have much more concerns with his, his swing and miss though. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, he's one of those guys who I, I don't know if it's going to be a smooth transition to the majors, um, you know, striking out 25, 26% in, in the minors uh, 23%. Yeah. I mean, it's not terrible. But I think he could struggle to begin with, and I just don't know if the Pirates are in a rush to bring him up. That's really what it is, because they're not—they're not, yep, they're not yep. competing. So, kind of depends on the new CBA and all that with with what goes on with that. But he's just not the kind of guy I normally take, unless he falls to me at a good spot. And I don't know if 205, wherever he's going around, I don't know if that's late enough for me for mm-hmm. for all the uncertainty.
0: I'm with you,
1: Ryan. Shaking his head too. I I'm he one, so. I'm massively off cruise. It, 144 walks to 419 strikeouts in the minors. That's that's in the minors. Now, that's about, just off the top of my head, that's over one to two and getting closer to one walk to three strikeouts. What I do as a very quick thing in my head is I, I just go, right, that's what you're doing against minor league pitchers. You're going to be one to five against main, major league pitchers. You're going to be one to five. And, and I'm sort of being generous. It could be more. So it has to be more because the Major League pitchers are better and he's young and he's not adjusted to any of it yet. He has power, but the power won't play if he doesn't hit the ball often. And I'm just so far off the guy at this stage of his career that there's no way I would pay 280p or whatever you've just said. No way.
0: Uh, Fair enough. All right, guys. We We are definitely into... A lengthier pod this time around, it's fair to say. We've, uh, we've we've I believe
2: we're still waiting for one guy, Pete.
0: We still have one final guy to finish on. And I think I called him out at the top. It's time to get into El Capitan Miguel Rojas. He's out there today on Instagram, pumping it up. The Marlins are out there, the players. They've organized their own scrimmage. So Miggy Rowe and the Marlins players, the major league guys, have organized their own scrimmage. They're down there. Sandy's throwing, Lazaro's throwing, Jazz is there, Miggy. Stunning. There's actually Real footage going on. Anyway, Miguel Rojas from a fantasy perspective. <laughs> I love thinking, Josh Rojas. Oh, no, sorry, Josh, no, sorry. Mi- oh, Miggy, sorry. Listen, Miggy Rowe. he's just signed an extension, Al Capitan. What does that mean? I don't know what it means. He's he's a deep deep pick, right? There's over three hundred players in. Here's the bit though. He stole thirteen bags last year. Do not overlook Miggy Roel Capitano.
2: So so that's really the question, right? I mean, like, we kind of know who he is in terms of this power and and average. Is he going to keep running, Pete? I
0: think the Marlins in general, uh, I mean, they had some problems last year on the base pass, for sure. Like, getting picked off at first, it was just a... Whatever was going on with the base running, something was up. Um, They've made some changes, uh, but I think going back to 2020, that Marlins team that got on the roll in the COVID season... One of the hallmarks was aggressive running, for sure. And I think I can see that continuing. Like, I, I, I can. I can see Miggy Rowe carrying on, Jazz carrying on. Like, these guys giving just full green light season. So, I think Miggy Rowe, for for sure. Like, I don't have any concerns. And he isn't the fastest guy either, right? You don't even think of Miggy Rowe super fast. And he missed time as well last year. He he fractured his finger on a pick-off at first, actually, um, when he was picked off. But... Um, you know, thirteen stolen bases. I, I I'm okay with that. With Miggy. I could see him doing that again. He's going to be playing every day.
2: Okay, all right. I mean, if he if he gives you, you know, ten homers, ten steals with the 270 average, uh, and he hits at the top of the lineup, that has value.
0: I'm with you.
1: Hang on. Um, <laughs> no, I, sorry, I'm, I'm sort of have to. <laughs> rojas. i have to i have to skip on rojas because there's just there's, there's no world, to say. there's no world in which i'm going to be excited about this um <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is farcical um I, I wish him all the best by the way i think he's a really good um real life player and i think he's really valuable to the marlins and his contact rate is absolutely sublime like re- really sublime so good luck to the guy and i hope he keeps running um bef- i know you want to end on a marlin but the one guy that's confusing me a little bit before we go and we sort of get some sleep tonight and let the listeners sort of have their lives back. Suarez, <laughs> you mentioned him quickly. Cincy. What, what's the ADP? Firstly, Pete, um, if you could have a look on, on Cincy's Suarez. And, and secondly, I'm going to assume that as soon as you tell me the ADP, I'm not going to really believe it because the power is still in the profile. He still takes walks. Contact rates never been good for the guy. He hits loads of fly balls. He barrels the ball quite often. He is underperformed his home run to fly ball last year. What is every is he just what he's a 220 hitter now and that's the end of it? Or is this still a guy that can hit 240? Because if he hits 240 and that's not great, but if he hits 240 and he hits 35 home runs. What's the ADP? Like, what what Hold do that. I have to pay to get this guy?
0: Is he still shortstop eligible now? Eugenio Suarez? What the hell? He is. He is. Crazy scenes. He's going uh
1: two hundred fifteenth. This scene. I'm, I'm just off the ish. top of my head. This does. That that seems like I might be in. Twenty sixth
0: shortstop off the board.
1: Like I'm just. I haven't been in a draft yet. But I don't. How many? 35 home run shortstops are available at 230 over. That, that's ridiculous, right? Feels no, ridiculous.
2: I, I think you're right. I think it's uh, I think there's, I mean, his his babip, uh, he has a career 300 babip, and his babip over the last two years is like 220 over 220 from 2020 to 2021. So that, and you mentioned his home run per fly ball rate right, being at a career low seems like a pretty good bounce back bet. Um, mm-hmm.
1: as long does. as they, like, as he's long he's as never they keep been a, him. He's never been a. I mean, obviously, playing shortstop is ridiculously. should ridiculous. They shouldn't be playing him at shortstop, but um, he's never been a, a contact guy. Like I, that's not changed. Like he, 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 yeah, he was hitting over seventy percent contact like from twenty eighteen prior, and it, it's gradually sort of deteriorated. But it's not like he's ever been the rock solid batting average guy just because he had a couple of years where he hit two seventy. Like so he's he's really cratered in the short season and last season but to me when i see the guy hitting 200 and previously he's been able to sort of get a bit of luck and elevate it up to 270 if he hits 240 but he's still got the power and he, you say if they play him like what they're gonna do with the guy bench him is it like no well, probably not <laughs> like no I don't know. Like he must fit DH in each so, season. Like, so I don't know much about the Reds. What, what's the infield like? Let's assume that he's not playing shortstop. I assume he'd go back to third, would he? But there's going to be a DH. Third, yeah. They can be, they can DH the guy. He's going to get in the lineup. That's a, so that's a value. Suarez is yeah. going to be on so many of my teams.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, Someone who I haven't really had the chance to draft. Oh no, I did. I drafted him in my first pitch Arizona league. I forgot, Um, which is a free league, but uh yeah i mean he's a guy who people kind of are overlooking now and he falls and um i think he can probably get him past his adp which is kind of insane in a lot of leagues and uh i think you're right i think you know 35 homers and a 240 average is well within his range of outcomes
0: seems fair brian great shout i think let's finish on suarez instead shall we poor old miggy (laughs) bro (laughs) all right guys we are bang out of time we have run way over but it was absolutely worth it no doubt there was tons tons of insight there ryan that was very fun i love it that you just had nothing to offer for Mickey Rowe apart from good luck to him (laughs) dave mcdonald the stud the main high stakes stud i mean it's stunning to have you back on buddy and great conversation um where where else can they, can they find you? Some listeners, baby tuning going, where else can I find this dude? I need to hear him all the time. <laughs> give them, give the listeners your scroll of other podcasts.
2: Uh, well, well, you guys are the true studs. And uh, I really appreciate having you guys having me back on. I, I have so much fun with you guys. Uh, absolutely. One of my favorite podcasts to ever have been on was, uh, was Broto Brits. And I, I'm so happy that I found out about you guys. Uh, thanks to one of my co-hosts now, Justin Mason, when he had you guys on, um, What was that event that he had? Potapalooza. Potapalooza. That's right. Yeah. I saw you guys on there with, uh, Jamie Steed and, uh, Darius Austin. It was, it was a great time. You guys were awesome. Um, so I, I am, I co-host, uh, the friends with fantasy benefits pod with Justin Mason. Um, and then I also have, uh, high stakes heat with, uh, my, my co-host, Jake Housker. And, uh, you can find me on those. You can find me uh, on Twitter at rundmcd, um, not Dr. Dave FBB or whatever that account is. That is uh, not me.
0: <laughs> yeah, be be sure to get the right Twitter handle for sure. Um, <laughs> but it's fair to say one of the obvious things that, that Dave does take into account is health concerns for sure. And when you kind of sit back, the funny thing is just to kind of wrap up on this topic, um, when you sit back, like we should be taking that into account. Like it's, it, it's strange that we maybe don't. And so I'm, I'm kind of leaning to Dave and Dave's view on this for sure. But nevertheless, that was a, a stunning, I mean, listen, we picked the right pod. Shortstop is so, so deep. It's just full of them. Even we're getting into, you know, Suarez there at 215. There's 35 home runs out of that potentially a 240 average, you know, This is so, so deep. So, absolutely loved it. Perfect pod for for Dave to join us. Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed it. And please reach out and let us know your thoughts uh, when you listen into this one. We're going to be back next week, Ryan, right? We've got third base queued up. Guest, TBC. Wait and see on that one. Um, Then there's going to be a week off because I'm actually then away for a week sunning myself in Tenerife, which is a a Spanish island for those in the U.S. that perhaps are wondering what the hell is Tenerife. Um, Wow. We've got that, so we're going to finish off the infield, I guess. Have a little pause, and then we'll be back for some outfield and pitching action. But I, I boys... feel
1: like a Pete Pratt in Tenerife is is potentially a dangerous combo. Like, what? Well, I don't know what you get up to in Tenerife, but I'm staying well clear of that holiday. But... Listen, no.
0: the record button is still hit the microphone is still on so i think we should just end the podcast at this point my wife does check in from time to time on these podcasts to make sure they're real Uh, that's hilarious not my
2: insinuation at all pete but i like the angle you took about yeah
0: we're going for for a family holiday that's that's you enjoy it i will do be some spanish wine no doubt yeah all right guys that's shortstop in the books from roto brits uh, myself ryan owen and stunning guest Dave McDonald uh, will be back next week with the third base position preview. In the meantime, stay safe. Back next week.